So, Berto, we've received a lot of requests to talk about the psychology of Michael Jackson. Whoa. So what do Too you, soon. What do, you, what do you say? Let's do it. Okay. Uh, this is the Psychology in Seattle podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kirk Honda. I'm a therapist and a professor. My name is Umberto Casagna, and I arrange bouquets. So my relationship with, with Michael Jackson goes way back because I'm old. So uh, when I was a kid, before Michael Jackson was a thing, mm-hmm. there was Jackson 5. Yeah. And in our family, we had records and record players and stuff. And, and I remember my, my family had the, had the album ABC. OPP. How can I explain it? Which came out in 1970, which was the year I was born. And I remember having, you know, we had like a a set of, I don't know, 30 records. And I uh-huh. remember like we had the best of the Beach Boys. There's a couple Beatles records in there. There was a Santana record in there. Fleetwood Mac. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, the Knack. I remember we had the Knack and the Muppet movie soundtrack. Those are kind of later. But anyway, and I remember Jackson 5 was one of the... Was ro- one of them. One of, one of the things that went on the rotation. My dad also really liked... Um, Bob, uh, the guy who did um, Taxi, the da 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 da. Bob, um, guy, anyway. instrumentalist, yeah, yeah. okay, uh, sort of a jazz. Um, yeah. Anyway, so I remember listening to Jackson Five. I barely remember watching Jackson Five on TV because they they were they had they were big on yeah big on like they would right, perform all the time yeah. yeah they even had their own cartoon and but <laughs> but they were before my time right but but I bet you my older siblings would remember them you know but they they were huge you know when even when I was barely understanding music you know do you do you re, you're you're younger than I am so right so I I obviously remember some of the songs but i didn't come into awareness of it until michael and what was your first michael uh i believe it was seeing beat it on tv okay well for me it goes back before beat it It, 1979 off the wall off the wall yeah my cousin lance you know brian yep his older brother lance had the cassette off the wall he was older and he Mm -hmm. had like cooler hipper music they lived in renton so they they had more urban music than I did in Sammamish, you know, Washington. And I, I remember we would listen to, because, you know, if you had a cassette right. or a record, it's just like, you know, you could, right now with Spotify, you have access to everything. literally everything that's ever been made, yeah. <laughs> aside from like a few artists like Led Zeppelin, who yeah. doesn't let their stuff get on Spotify, but, um, or Jay-Z, I think doesn't let his stuff. Anyway, um, and so, but back then, you would have, you know, 30, 40 records and then yep. maybe 10 or 20 cassette tapes and, and maybe some old eight tracks that you couldn't listen to. <laughs> and so, and then you had the radio. the radio. Yeah. And the radio tended to play like, and there were probably like four good radio stations, you yeah. know? And so, so Off the Wall was definitely something I listened to because right. my cousin had it. And when we went over to his house, you know, we, that would hit the rotation. And I knew, I mean, I had heard a couple of the Off the Wall songs on the radio, but I didn't know who it was or anything. And I didn't make the connection when I saw Beat It. I didn't know that that was... Well, he really- had a completely different marketing strategy with Thriller. Yeah. I mean, when Thriller came out, it was just such a bigger deal. But anyway, I want to talk about Off the Wall for a second because Off the Wall is 
an amazing album. It really is. It 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 has Rock With You, which was the the big MTV video that I remember watching when MTV first came out. I don't he, remember that video. He's in he's just he he I just love this video because He's just sort of dancing, and he has a sparkly suit on, yeah. and there's a laser behind him, and like smoke. But there's no there's no special effects, and okay. it's just him singing, and he's dancing, and he's and he's doing some of the. You can see him developing some of the Michael moves. I see, but it's not over the top. Okay, he's just a dude. He's only he's like twenty years old, yeah, and he doesn't have any. Um, glove on or any right he hasn't changed his face his face and he he just has this really sweet smile and he he's just dancing and having fun and you know i want to rock with you all night dance with you to the moonlight i want to rock and then and then other other uh, tracks on this album great uh, don't stop till you get enough. Yes. Uh, working day and night. Working day and night. Off the wall is a great album or a great song. Um, Girlfriend is a great song. Actually, I didn't realize until doing research for this episode that Off the Wall had several like top ten hits and yeah. number one hits. That's crazy. Because to me, I thought uh, I always thought Off the Wall was like an obscure album, right? <laughs> but it's only obscure because it's in comparison <laughs> to, to thriller, to thriller, which came out three years later in 1982. Right. This was just gigantic to, to people who are younger, who listen to this podcast. You might not understand just no. the phenomenon that Michael Jackson was in 1982. It was crazy. Cause you know, what happened was when you're a kid, we talked about this before time, Time dilates, right? Yeah. So one year, well, you know, I was seven in 82. That's like 10 centimeters. <laughs> so, dude, that one year felt like, you know, a lifetime, right? So I remember thinking, I saw Beat It, right? And then some incomparable age later, I saw Thriller. Thriller. Which was, which was like two months later. Probably. Yeah. And then some age later, I saw Billie Jean. Yeah. Know? But I remember feeling like, Oh my gosh, Michael Jackson is amazing, and every video is even crazier than the last. Yeah, want to be starting something. The girl is mine with Paul McCartney, which is uh, Paul Maynard's favorite song of all time. (laughs) He hates that. Uh, Thriller, Beat It, Billie Jean, Human Nature. Oh my gosh, Pyt, the the lady in my life. Tell him that it's human nature. So I love that song so much that I tried to cover that song. Uh-huh. And I actually tried to play all the instruments, too. Yeah, I remember you saying that. And uh, it was a disaster. Oh, like, it's a hard song. In my head, <laughs> when I sing along with that song, I'm like, hey, I'm singing like Mike, because I can hit those notes. Sure. But Michael is such a unique singer that I could not approximate the way he was singing. Right. I wasn't trying, but like... I, I would argue anyone that sings Human Nature, aside from... Um, Ma- the, the Mars... Uh, yeah, Bruno Mars. Bruno Mars. Aside from Bruno Mars, <laughs> and, and maybe, uh, what's that, uh, Usher, you know? One oh, of those, sure, Usher, yeah. Um, or even JT, maybe. Uh, aside from those guys who... A handful of people. Who, like, basically know how to ape Michael Jackson well, it, would, it just sounds like shit. Because so it's not just hitting the notes, you know. It's like a very specific no. kind of percussive style. Particularly by the time he got to Thriller, yeah, totally. He he had this very <laughs> yeah, this like crazy like nuanced way of singing that you just can't do, you know. 
And it gives it so much of its energy and its yeah. emotion, the way that he sings it, you know. Um, it's like, try singing not like him. Annie, are you okay? <laughs> Annie, are you okay? Are, are you, you okay, okay Annie? Annie? Yeah, it's a pretty dumb song, but yeah. though but though his performance... <laughs> Annie, are you okay? You know, yeah, like, yeah. That was, wow, that sounded... <laughs> I thought Michael Jackson had just... <laughs> but anyway, yeah, this was Mammoth. I mean, Thriller... The 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 video was an oh event. my god! I mean, I it's remember. A movie. <laughs> yeah, I remember my entire family. I remember where I was when Thriller came out. So we were at some kind of an event that was like a silent auction or something. And I was a kid. I would have been like right. eleven years old. And my family, like my, I, I have three siblings, so uh, all of us were really into you know Michael Jack. The whole family was yeah. really. And I remember it was like, we got to get home because... They're going to show it. They're going to show oh, Thriller. Oh, couldn't you TiVo it? Yeah. And so we, I remember just thinking, I was on pins and needles, just like, we got to get home. And I remember we got home and we watched it and it was like a half an hour little mini yeah. movie. And, uh, and that was after Beat It. And which, mind-blowing. Yeah. Because it's like a zombie movie combined with like amazing music combined with like like this cool Vincent Price. Like, yeah. It's like, oh my God. Yeah, and everything Michael did during this time yeah. was scrutinized, like his his outfits, and right? His shoes and his you know his socks, and like right. everything was like, oh, got to do that now. And then Billie Jean comes out, right? To this day, when I I get chills just thinking oh. about Billie Jean, it is such a beautiful song, amazing, and a great dance song, amazing. Like to and me, that video is so stylish. Yeah, to me, like beat it, eh, okay. And Thriller, I'll never throw that on. I'll never be like, I want to hear. Well, thriller. at Halloween, you got to listen to it. <laughs> I guess so. But like Billie Jean, I will gladly it's listen an to. Amazing track. What, There's so many hooks in that song. Yeah, <laughs> like the bass line has a hook. Then the guitar's got a hook. Then the, the other guitar's got a hook. Then the keyboards have a hook. And it's just a simple song. Yeah. Have you heard his demo tape for Billie Jean? No. On YouTube, they have it. And he wrote that song himself okay. and performed it all vocally, the drums and everything. Oh, really? At home. I think he was. He, he's just writing it, and he's just like... Really? And, like, and it sounds amazing. Just him oh, making... And here's the thing I learned about him, uh, listening to his demo tapes, was... He didn't write the lyrics until the very end. Oh, so actually, scrambled eggs. So, so, <laughs> which I totally love because that's how I write music. Which you don't write music like that. It depends. I've had songs that. I yeah, it depends. I have never written a song lyrics first. Like it's, in fact, there were. I would have songs where we would perform it for like a year before I even wrote the lyrics. <laughs> Because on stage, no one understands no one what you're saying anyway. And so I would just make up like... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so uh, uh, and so listening to Michael Jackson, for, for example, Thriller originally hit on his demo tape with similar thing where he's just kind of riffing just vocally. It wasn't about um, zombies and stuff. It wasn't about... Right. It, was like, it was like a love song or, so, or just a regular Michael Jackson song or yeah. something. And... I wish he would have gone that direction because Thriller, the lyrics, I can't hear it without thinking about zombies and Halloween and stuff. You know, yeah, he really screwed up there. Well, <laughs> to the market, no, sure, but sure. to Kirk, to Kirk, yeah, because because if it wasn't about Halloween, uh, I would or horror movies so explicitly, I th I would <laughs> listen to that song because it's actually a jam. You know what it I mean? It is a jam, yeah. But anyway, so. Uh, yeah, 1982, Thriller, 
amazing. And then, oh, he- by the way, I had uh, when I was nine. I was traveling with my grandparents, came to visit my mom, and and on the way back we went by Orlando, went to the, the Disney and all this stuff. Uh, they bought me a glove. Oh my! So God. I had the glove. And I would do the little dance and sing, and my grandpa called me El Gran Betwin. <laughs> what does that mean? The Great Betwin. Beto was my nickname, right? So Betwin is like, I don't know, just a thing. <laughs> El Gran Betwin. <laughs> and then Bad came out five years later. Five, he waited five years to, to, to release Bad. Five years? That's why it feels, to me, it felt like Michael Jackson had disappeared. Yeah, because think about it, five years. That's but like he did a lot of things. Like he he did that Pepsi commercial that we he, are the world. We are well. We are the world was the same year as Thriller. What? Yeah. He, oh my god. So he wrote We Are the World. That was the same year in 1982. Yeah. Because I remember it as talking with my friends at school when we heard it. I remember going, "Oh man, what's Michael been doing?" That's this is the first thing he does in like the longest time. And then I was all upset about it because I was like, oh, he ruined the song. But the only reason I was saying that is because I felt upset that he hadn't put out any music. But it was the same year. I think so. I'd, I'd have to look it up. Maybe it was 83 or something. I'm pretty sure it's the same year. It's anyway, crazy. So Bad, five years later, uh, another, you know, a lot of great hits on this album too. The but way- he had started go- going the weird direction though. Well, yeah. So he started, you know, his lyrics started to get a little, uh, like in Bad, the first, the first lyric. Do you know what the first line is in "Bad" is? No, I forget. Your butt is mine. Oh, right, right, right. And <laughs> which, I thought he, that was Weird Al's line, <laughs> which he says to Wesley Snipes in Your the video. Your butt is wide. Which is well, minus two. <laughs> which is uh, directed by Martin Scorsese. That's Wesley yeah. Snipes. Yeah, isn't bad. Yeah. Oh my God. Well, because he was trying to cop his own, you know, beat it. In a way, right? Like he was yeah. trying, he was trying to update, beat it in a way. Yeah, but I didn't like bad at all. No, but the way you make me feel. No, I mean the song. The, yeah. the album had a lot of great. Yeah, songs. the way you make me feel, man in the mirror, dirty Diana, amazing. It's one amazing. of my favorite songs. And smooth criminal. And I was, oh, I, I was in love with man in the mirror for a long time. I was seeing that so much. I don't like that song. So, so man in the mirror, it it emulate it. It's it's like indicative to me of the rest of Michael, like. To, to many younger people, and I guess even people our age, they remember Michael after Bad. Yeah. Like, they, they had albums after Bad. They sang along with songs after Bad. I have no idea what Michael did after Bad. Like, there are songs... Like, I went to... After he died, there was a Cirque du Soleil that traveled around the country. Yeah. And I went to it... And ha- most, I would say, seventy five percent of the music I didn't even recognize. Well, you knew the one with Slash, black or white. Yeah, because it was trounced by Nirvana. <laughs> but I also don't like that song. You know yeah, I, mean? I didn't. I, I I liked the riff, but that was it. Yeah. So uh, that, that the whole way, the, that whole like Janet Jackson. Oh Mi- no 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 Michael Jackson nineties nineties thing. It's just like I just it's but too. I don't know. What, I'm surprised you don't like. Um, uh, Man in the Mirror, though. Is it too cheesy for you? It's just not... Uh, I mean, it's okay, but it's no Dirty Diana. Gonna make a change. It's it's just oh, kind of... my life. It's okay. It's just a little too good. poppy. I, I think don't you know. you gotta look at yourself in there. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, yeah, so the videos, all the videos are amazing. Rock with you, Thriller, Beat It, Billy Jean, Bad, Scorsese, like I said. The way you make me feel, I remember that. Oh, the way you make... You know, he's following that girl. Yeah, with the, that's like the, the wind blast his shirt. Yeah. Then he has that weird part of the video, though, where he grabs his crotch and does a whole... Oh, yeah, thing. there's all the grabbing yeah. the crotch. Um, yeah, then, I, then uh, like I said, I stopped listening. And then all the news stories, because cause the 90s to me was yeah. when it was when all the news stories Creepiness happened. set in. Uh, but I didn't really pay attention because I, I was in college or a young adult and didn't have cable TV and just and didn't have a newspaper and there was no internet. So I just didn't know about, I just would randomly hear, you know, certain things like I would hear about the molestation accusations and didn't really know what to think about that. Um, and then his face was, that's yeah. when his face really started to transform. I regret that. I really, I really started hating Michael Jackson after bad slowly, but surely like this deep resentment. And the only reason I can put on it is that, I felt like he had let me down in some way because he was such a hero of mine when I was little. Yeah. I mean, the thing that I want to mention is that he was extremely uh, charitable to children around the world and was like legitimately a force for good and something that I think a lot of people forget because his image doesn't really contain that anymore. But, you know, he could have done anything with his money and his time and whatnot, but he... He, you know, he tried to spread a, you know, a clear message of love and... But he was also touched. What? I mean, I'm, I mean that both, he was a little off and he might have in fact been abused, right? Well, we'll get into that in a second, but, but, uh, but, you know, regardless, in the 80s anyway, when yeah. he, when he, before all the controversies, yeah, he was a legitimate force for good. And whenever he would go around the world, which he did because he was the biggest star. I mean, you could argue there's never been a bigger star. I mean, cause you know, you say like Elvis was bigger. Madonna was bigger. There was a time where he was untouchable, but yeah, there was a couple of years there, like around thriller time. And because a lot of stars get big in the States or in, in other countries, but Michael was like, uh, Marvin Gaye or like you know he was one of these uh, Marvin Gaye uh, not, sorry not Marvin Gaye Bob Marley or um, what's his name uh, Muhammad Ali he was one of these stars that was global right and he yeah he everyone knew him like in the you know seemingly according to lore anyway in the in the dark recesses of Africa yeah you know places that didn't even have TVs right. they knew about Michael Jackson yeah. and and he would go there you know anyway so 90s, again, all these stories like when he got the monkey and then he bought the Beatles songs and Paul McCartney was upset about that. I was upset about that. And he uh, slept in an oxygen tank and, um, you know, because he got burnt in that Pepsi video. Right. And then I remember the story about, uh, you know, and then fast forward to he gets married to uh, Elvis Presley's kid. Oh, yeah. Quick, uh, Priscilla, right? Quick, or, uh, yeah. Lisa Marie. Lisa yeah. Quickly gets divorced, then he marries this random woman, right? And then he starts having kids, and then he holds one of the kids. Oh my gosh! Right over the railing, and I just want to read a quote from him from an interview about the railing thing. I made a terrible mistake. I got caught up in the excitement of the moment. I would never intentionally endanger the lives of my children. I love my children. I was holding my son tight. Why would I throw a baby off the balcony? That's the dumbest, stupidest story I've ever heard. <laughs> um, so. 
and we'll get into why he might have done that. In a, you know, we'll get into the analysis in a second. And then he died in 2009 at the age of 50, cardiac arrest. Do you, what do you know about the story about him dying? Um, that it was probably his doctor uh, giving him the wrong mix of stuff. So his prescribing physician, uh, who was li- you know did house calls essentially, I think it was just on staff at his house all the time. He he had by the end of his life, he he was pretty much on a constant IV drip of like various different substances and lots of narcotics, yeah. you know, lots of opioids, benzodiazepines, sleep aids, uh, you know, lots of, and just really kind of off the charts kinds of prescriptions. Why? Just because? Well, we'll get into that later, but he was in a lot of physical pain apparently and in a lot of mental illness uh, suffering as well. And, and he couldn't sleep at night because, yeah. because of his issues, which I'll get into in a bit. But, uh, as the story goes, his, his this this uh, you know physician had been injecting sedative drugs into him, not not oral, yeah, into his into an IV Valium, Valium, Ativan, which are benzos, Versed, which is a sleep aid, and uh, this was the normal kind of cocktail, but it didn't help. He, it failed to make him fall asleep. So every night he has an IV in his arm to help him fall asleep. Right. So just you know, go there in your mind. And he has a and he has a staff physician whose sole job it is to put him to sleep oh at my night. God. You know, and that failed to put him to sleep. And so the physician added propofol, which is a sedative that's used for um, anesthesia. You know, it's it's oh like when you have a surgery or yeah. something. And uh, he put propofol in the IV, and then he left Michael Jackson's side to to make some phone calls. And even when he returned, Michael Jackson was dead. Uh, uh, there was an investigation and a criminal investigation, and the, this doctor, Dr. Murray, two years later was found guilty for involuntary manslaughter, and he spent two years in prison. Wow. So a little bit about propofol. What do you know about propofol? Nothing. It's been in use since 1986, and it's currently the most widely used anesthesia in the world. Oh, is that the one that's been in use since the 80s, and it's the widely used one? Yeah. <laughs> And basically, when you get the right dose, it puts you to sleep for a few minutes. Okay. So you could give it to someone who was having trouble falling asleep, and mm-hmm. then if and then they might f- stay asleep. You I know? see. So they, it might not have been a drip of propofol the whole night. Right. It might have just been a little bit to kind of push them over the edge. Who knows? But to in surgery, you have a constant drip of it. You know, right. that, that kind of keeps you asleep. And there, there have been numerous invest- investigations that have shown that propofol has a lot of people are misusing it and uh, you know and healthcare providers are the main people who are misusing it because oh, they're the man. main they're the main people who have access plus he to was it. mixing it with a whole bunch of other stuff right and that uh, you can actually abuse it like the way you might use any opioid it gives you euphoria if right. you if you take it sub oh man you know before you fall asleep if you give if you give like half the dose to fall asleep i see You'll you'll have euphoria the same way that you might with any other drug that makes you feel good, you know. So people will abuse it sometimes, um, and it has a short duration of action, so you need to keep taking it. You know, it okay. it, it it quickly gets metabolized by your liver and your um, kidneys, I believe. Um, uh, da, 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 da. And they've looked into it, and because it's sort of unregulated, it it's uh, it's being abused more and more. 
And uh, it's easy to OD on because there's a very small window of dosage that is the right amount. Okay. So if you, you know, if you don't have enough, you won't fall asleep. And if you have too much, you can, you can, um, you know, have too much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay. So I want to talk. So so he died, and that's a story about that. But let's talk about some of his awards. There's many awards. And and he sort died of, so young. It was I know tragic. And Prince died in kind of a similar kind Ugh. of fashion. You know, strangely. Um, so uh, Thriller 1982 is the best selling album of all time in the United States and, <laughs> and in the world. So crazy. Uh, Michael Jackson was the youngest at 11 years old, youngest vocalist ever to top the Hot 100 with I Want You Back in 1970. Michael Jackson was the first artist to chart seven top ten singles from one album. <laughs> oh, man. Seven out of ten? So, seven. Like, there's ten songs on the album, right? I think I think Thriller might only have nine songs, actually. Oh, my God. But anyway, like, yeah. yeah. Seven top, seven, uh, top, top ten. ten singles in yeah. one album. And several were probably number one, right? Right. Uh, Bad had five number one hits. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. And he had number one hits in four decades. Oh, because <laughs> of the Jackson 5. Yeah. Well, yeah. no, he, he no. went on his own starting in like 1971 or something. I see. So, and he had, he had number one hits on his own I see. before so 70s, off the wall. 80s, 90s, 2000s. Yeah. And four decades, <laughs> number one hits. So he's, you know, a lot of people think, oh, he's an 80s guy. Yeah. No, no, he was mammoth in the 70s. It's like Elton has five decades of hits. <laughs> uh, he was mammoth in the 90s. He was yeah. mammoth in the 2000s. Yeah. I mean, just huge, you know? Um, now, before we go into this, I just have a few caveats. I am not a Michael Jackson scholar. Whenever we do an episode on something that there is an internet nerddom, mm -hmm. They always attack me because I get some details wrong. How did you not know that? <laughs> yeah, we've already got a few details wrong. I'm sure of it. Yeah. And again... Like, was his name Michael? Yeah. Uh, actually, it's the same middle name as me, Joseph. Really? Yeah. MJ. So, MJJ. So, um, I want to tell... And, and, it, and it's all the YouTube people who are the assholes. Right. Um, now, whenever I look at, like, the thumbs up, thumb down, some thumbs down thing... Yeah. Um, we always get a lot of thumbs up, yeah. but most of the comments or 75% of the comments are mean people. <laughs> so there's this weird, so it's like nice people don't comment. <laughs> nice people don't comment. Or, That's the same. So, you know, I have these channels that I listen to on YouTube. They get a lot of thumbs up, but even the most positive videos that I cannot for the life of me understand who would find a problem with it, get a set of thumbs down. And when you look at the comments, there's tons of negativity. Right. And so, uh, you know, I, again, we have, there's trolls who are just out to just yeah. get a rise out of people. And then, but there's also, I think, psychopathic people who are actually using the internet as a ven as a safe venue to, sure. to abuse other people. Which is healthy, I guess. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, it's healthier than in real life. There's also, I think, a contingency of like 11-year-olds who are just having, you know, I guess they're Lulls. the trolls. Yeah. Um, and I think there are also like a good amount of people who are just really triggered very easily. What do you mean? <laughs> yeah. And so, so anyway, I just want to say like, I spent a couple days researching the topic. Right. I did the best I could. Uh, I, I make an episode, I make three episodes a week. Yeah. So 
this is the best I got. So, Sue me. And, and, and if, unless I caveat every single thing with, well, this could be wrong, uh, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I don't know what else to do. <laughs> um, so uh, the other thing is, is that if people will comment, like we did an episode on like David Bowie kind of like spontaneously once, and everyone's like, you don't know this and that's stupid. Or we did an episode on Harry Potter and people like trashed, like you got things wrong. And I'm just thinking like, if you come to this stupid podcast about psychology for the definitive truth that, <laughs> uh, about Michael Jackson, like what's wrong with you? You know what I mean? Like psychology in Seattle, your number one source of MJJ. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like just fuck off people. Like just, you know, uh, this, Kirk and Umberto are talking about Michael Jackson and speculating about internet stuff. And, you know, if you want to debate or whatever, fine. But if we get one fucking thing wrong in three hours of free fucking material on the internet, by the way, uh, and like, oh, big fucking whoop. Well, what's the fun in that anyways? If you already know all the facts, do you really just want to hear them again from us? I I swear to God, there are people on YouTube who will listen to this episode looking for one thing wrong and will just go fucking berserk and they'll and it'll be and it'll be some detail that we will mention like in the last 3 hours of talking about this <laughs> and so they listen to the whole fucking thing and in, and endured us talking about it and at the very end they're just like I can't believe you got that one thing wrong. I mean, you call yourself like a doctor. Like, they'll say that. Like, it's like, yeah, I'm a doctor of Michael Jackson. Now I know how Michael's sister, LaTanya, must have felt. <laughs> um, also, uh, you know, I'm going to talk about psychology here. And I, as I always talk about, we cannot diagnose from afar. And I only have what the internet can provide. I have no access to Michael Jackson, obviously. Could you diagnose Jafar from Aladdin? <laughs> And so, who knows what I would have seen if I actually assessed him? Yeah. Who who knows? Right. So all I'm basically doing is assessing the information that I managed to get in a few days of research mm-hmm. on the internet. So any comment I have is only on that. It, in a way, all I'm doing is assessing the information on the internet, which is not the real Michael Jackson. Right. You know. And so you know, just understand that as well. Um, also I predict a lot of, there's going to be a lot of angry people either way yeah. on this because we're going to get into the molestation stuff yep. and there's, there are people I already know who are like, I can't believe you don't, you, you won't say he's a molester or I can't believe you thought he was a molester. He's innocent. I hope when you listen to this episode, people out there, again, YouTubers, I'm targeting you that I try to be fair. And I try to caveat everything. And I will, I will never say I know something because how would I know if, unless I was there? So the fact that I'm presenting different debates and different sides to the issue isn't legitimizing either side. I'm just right. saying this is the, you know, as, a, as an observer of, of something through the internet, this is what I'm commenting on and I'm trying to be safe and fair <laughs> about it. And so... The fact that I'm not coming out fucking hard that he's a molester right. or coming out fucking hard that he's innocent right. doesn't mean that I'm the enemy, people, okay? Because like, you're not that, enough like Alex Jones, my friend. <laughs> that, that's what people will do. They'll be like, I can't believe that, you know, like I talked about O.J. Simpson in an, in an episode right. and I presented what I thought to be a fair kind of presentation and, and I, 
I said throughout the episode, I was like, who knows? Like, no one was there. You know, there's no there's no videotape. Right. The, you mean the, to, there's no video of him killing her? Yeah. There there's no there's no there's only evidence. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so you can only is it possible that OJ did not kill her? Yeah. Like who knows what was running through his head while he was stabbing? Her? <laughs> but, no one knows. But, but you know, my point is is that <laughs> there's no way to know for sure, and it's very likely. But who knows? You know, yeah. and. The point is, is not to say, and so if you're a hard believer on one side, like all I have to say is like, how the fuck do you know? Like, none of us know, except for the people who were there. I watched the whole trial while I was leaning on my couch, lying down on my couch. Yeah. Also, just because we are talking about his mental issues and his suffering um, in a respectful way, which I will do. Um, understand that that does not take away from the good things that he did and the music that he made and the pleasure that he gave you and the pleasure he gave me. You know, people will be like, I can't believe you're talking about, uh, you know, so-and-so. He was a musical genius. And it's just like uh, both things can be happen at the same time. You know, my episode about Marlon Brando, it's like, I talked about some of his issues and people were like, I can't believe you don't understand it. He was a, he was a genius of acting and like all this stuff. And I'm just like, yeah, I agree. Like, uh, you know, his early, uh, acting, I find him just be incredibly amazing. And, you know, and he suffered from issues. And if he were sitting here today, he'd be talking about his issues. He talked yeah. about his issues all the time. Michael Jackson talked about his issues all the time too. He was not shy about yeah. talking about the things he was suffering from. By the so, way, I feel like I have a really strong uh, claim to knowing about Michael Jackson because I watched Corey Feldman perform <laughs> his show, and he was good friends with Michael Jackson. Oh, boy. Do you know that in his show, he actually does a whole segment? He wears the jacket. Yeah. He sings Michael. Song. Well, his, fir- his, his first viral video was him doing a Michael Jackson right, impression, right. like at a at a like a, a birthday thing or something. No, it's like a rodeo or something. <laughs> was, anyway. Uh, All right, let's take a break, Berto. Okay, we're back from the break. If you haven't become a patron of the podcast, do so now. Michael Jackson, what would Michael Jackson say about us, about you people out there who are not... That's ignorant. That's ignorant. You should should join. Be a patron. That's ignorant. God damn it. (laughs) So, um, (laughs) become a patron. All right, so uh, just some quotes of people on the internet, of like journalists and people on the internet talking about him after he died. He wasted his talent, his time, his money, his health, and his racial identity. Another person. Michael Jackson frittered frittered away his time on empty illusion. Another person. He was trying with all of his being to step outside of reality and leave it behind. Another person. Michael Jackson seemed intent on killing himself. Any thoughts on that, Bruno? I got to say, I'm not saying I'm right, but I, I felt various of those feelings at times throughout the years. And I, I, like I said, I, I don't know why I felt so personally aggrieved. I, I had this illusion that Michael would just keep out putting hits the way I wanted them and be normal, quote unquote. I also loved the way he looked when he was young and so like, what are you doing, man? What's your What's your favorite Michael Jackson look? That, that uh, like the way he looked in... Um, in, in Thriller? In, in Thriller, yes. Like in Billie Jean? No, 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 no. The way he looked in Thriller because he's like he's going to the date with her and he just yeah. looks so young and my my favorite Michael Jackson era is Off the Wall. 
and and, and younger instantly because sure. because even on Thriller you can start to see some of the yeah you're right he's got a little makeup on his face and stuff but yeah. actually the, my favorite was this interview I saw on TV. It was probably like 81 because now that I think about it. No, well, no, it had to be after. the. So the, the interview was before he made the album, but it probably aired after all those videos. And he looked just so youthful. Yeah. And his little curly hair. and oh. Yeah. And he, he, the, if you see interviews with him when he's, you know, before Thriller particularly, he comes across like a totally normal dude. Super nice. Yeah. Okay. So Michael Jackson's childhood. Uh, here's a quote from him. There's a lot of sadness in my past life. My father beat me. It was difficult to take being beaten and then go on stage. My father was a management genius, but what I really wanted was a dad. Oh. His father was extremely abusive. He whipped his kids with weapons like oh an, my God, like an, an, elect, an electrical rod. They said, oh which I'm just trying God. to figure out what kind of what's an electrical rod? What 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 is that? I don't know. Like like a, the and, sh- those shock sticks. Yeah. I was like, huh? But why to discipline them? Uh, yeah, yeah. Is that the only reason they were great? Because he abused them. Well, so that's a good question. Um, you know, some people would say yeah because he pushed them so hard that they became perfectionistic about their... Because oh. when you watch these early Jackson 5 performances, yeah. these are five brothers yeah. who are amazing performers, yeah. singers, musicians, yeah. dancers. Beautiful voices, beautiful harmonies. Yeah, everything. I mean, they're, perf- they're playing the music. They're all young. Yeah, they're all like, you know, kids. Teenagers, young kids. And, and, they're, and they're performing flawlessly Michael was like seven or something yeah they're on the Ed Sullivan show I mean and and this is not just like you know some kind of uh, gimmick like they were legitimate uh, rock stars yeah and and so anyway um, but on the other hand it's like well did you need to abuse them (laughs) like was that it sounds like it was uh, almost um, like egregious you know like yeah. it wasn't just oh you didn't you broke the rules it, was, it sounds like it was no a, a sadistic yeah it the his father from the accounts sounds sadistic like he targeted Jeez. his 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 uh, wife and the children with sadistic abuse and torture just because oh you, you know what god I mean? um he forced 11 year old michael to sing in strip bars what which is interesting. Uh, unknown why. Again, this is all from the internet, so who knows. Uh, and his mother was very preachy about Christianity and, and sin, so that kind of messed up M- Michael a little bit about you know singing in strip bars and then at yeah. a young age. His parents uh, provided no validation, particularly his dad, and his dad frequently insulted him. You know, so not oh. only a physical abuse, but emotional abuse. Jeez. And... He would, you know, make fun of his looks, and, and actually, it kind of trickled down. So a, a lot of the kids would would make fun of each other too. One of the older brothers would abuse the younger brothers, right? And and the thing that Michael was made fun of a lot was he he as he started to age, his nose started to get big. Oh, and they were like, "Oh, you got dad's nose." Oh, wow, right? Because then, oh yeah, and. 
And it, it, I always wondered why he had such a high pitched voice after puberty. Yeah. But maybe he also got infantilized a bit, you know? Right, because he was one of the younger ones. Yeah, um, like he never grew up for real. Well, we'll get into that in a second too. Um, but and Latoya has actually come out and said, I think that the father sexually abused the kids. I would not be surprised, dude, because that's what I'm saying. He was touched. Yeah. What? Oh, I see. Uh, Michael Jackson uh, reportedly tried to protect his mother from being abused, but then he eventually hated her because. She would never leave the father. Um, so you know, imagine you're Michael, you're seven, and you're you, you love your mom, yeah. and you see your mom as you know, kind of your safety zone away from your dad, and you, all you want is to like get away from your dad, and and you want your mom to save you, and eventually you just give up on your mom, and you hate her too. You know what I mean? Oh. So so he, that's what he was saying. Um, okay, so let's get into so so that is the main part. And then the other part of his childhood, obviously, is that he was a star. And How he, could anyone turn out normal in this circumstance? Well, the analogy that I have is with Stevie Wonder. Yeah. So Stevie Wonder was an, a very similar trajectory uh-huh. from a very early age. And, and Stevie Wonder, a similar amount of hits yeah. throughout the decades. Right. He had hits in the 60s when he was like eight or nine or something. Yeah. And, you know, then he had hits in the 70s when he was in his teenage and 20s, and he had hits in the 80s. And so so Stevie Wonder had a very similar kind of life, but turned out very different. Was he always blind, by the way? Yeah. Did he um, lose his vision? Or if, I, if I remember right, he, he, like at an early age, like at seven, his his vision really took a turn. Oh. He's not completely blind, by the oh, way. Oh, really? Yeah. He, he's, um, oh. but like 95%, sure, sure, sure. you know what I mean? I did not know that. Yeah. There's actually like a conspiracy theory that people think he's not actually blind because oh, because because during this one thing that happened, like a mic stand fell and he actually caught it. It was like coming towards his face and he caught it. But what people don't understand you is see, like you can see light changes. Yeah, you can kind of see like yeah. barely. You know, plus what I mean? doesn't don't don't blind people have that radar thing like Daredevil? <laughs> yeah. God, I, that that whole Daredevil thing is such a fucked out idea. I mean. <laughs> Zatoichi, the the blind samurai, yeah. was the best of that. Yeah, but even that got a little old because right. it's just like, okay, basically you're a magical creature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then and then Daredevil comes out, and I'm just like, oh god. And then that one um, e- book of Eli, I never saw that one was with he blind? Uh, with Denzel, and, and it's just Denzel, right? Yeah, yeah. And, was he blind in that? Yeah. Okay. But spoiler alert. You don't know he's blind until the end. Oh, okay. Like you're, like you're, like oh my god, he's been blind the whole time. Anyway, um, it's like, but then that's cheating. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like that doesn't count because you basically. So what if he's blind? You, he can do anything that better than anyone who's not blind can. Right. To me, it's like it, to make a good blind superhero, what they need to do is actually have something that they're bad at, like. They're like if something is silent or some like if yeah. something is flying through the air completely silent, they get hit. They get hit. Yeah, you know, or someone that's really good at moving slowly so that they don't make noises. Then and they have a knife, right. for example. Then you know, uh, then they whereas get, it's the opposite because Daredevil is so sensitive that he's better than if he had vision. Right, and it's like so. Why do we care that he's blind? Right. Do you know what I mean? Like it doesn't. 
it's not a compelling story. He's basically some sort of weird god. You know what I mean? Uh, anyway, that's my problem with all the superhero movies. It's like, well, so that's my I like not, with, I didn't see the movie, but if if what movie Book of Eli? But if oh. you can see that whole movie and not know that the guy is blind, then they're cheating. <laughs> well, you, you kind of have to watch it to see how it. Unfolds. Well, no, no, because now you spoil it. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. So the main analysis here. So so the main analysis for Michael is that he grew up in severe abuse, and he was the younger child who had the most pressure put on him from the dad to perform. You know, like yeah. I'm guessing the older siblings didn't have as much pressure because they didn't really become a thing until until later. Until later. So right. so the older kids probably managed to. Uh, avoid some of the problems but the other kids might have similar problems i don't know sure i mean so uh and when you have lots of kids there's not a lot of love to go around and then again you add the the weird sort of lifestyle of never having a childhood and basically having to i mean the the level of responsibility that michael jackson had at the age of seven is like more responsibility than we will ever have on any day in our life yeah. to, to have to go on to the Ed Sullivan show yep. and be the front man of, of a band, not mess it up. Yeah. And, wow. and, and, and you watch these performances. He's not only singing some of the most beautiful. It's not, Oh, that's a cute, that's cute for a kid. No, no. It's world-class performance. Soulful, bluesy, yeah. jazzy. Yeah. And he's dancing. Yeah. He's moving. Yep. He's grooving. And it is not clunky. Like, the kid can move. It's crazy. He's, like, natural, you know? Yeah. and But not natural, because it takes a lot of work. It's a yeah. ton of rehearsing to make it oh look like God. it's natural, you right. know? Like, people are like, oh, my God, like, black people, are they're just good dancers. No, they're not. <laughs> they practice that shit. Yeah. You know, you, you, anyone, you start practicing how to dance at the age of three, you're going to be good by the time you're seven. That's like Latin people that dance, at all the social events have dancing, everything. Right. And so, so he worked hard, and he makes it look easy, but so you, you match those two things up, and you're going to have issues. So, so trauma and... Some sort of trauma reaction. I I would argue that the the construct that I think about Michael, the main again, this is just diagnosing what's on the internet. I'm yeah. not actually diagnosing him because I will never meet him and don't have. But what's available on the internet is complex PTSD slash borderline. Um, he doesn't have the class. I don't know enough about him to know about borderline in terms of the classic symptoms regarding relationships. But he definitely has. He's definitely on the spectrum between complex PTSD and borderline. Um, and, and I contend and I follow the research that basically says that there's a spectrum between those two in that he probably, he seemed to operate on with a psychology that had a constant sense of threat from the yeah. outside world, you know, especially later in life, he became, you know, quite paranoid about people trying to, get him or right. mooch off him or uh, destroy him somehow. Um, hypervigilance about safety, uh, emotional regulation problems, a lot of hurt feelings. Um, he, he would, in interviews, talked a lot about how he was very lonely 
and was sad a lot of times. Uh. And because the, the, the thing is, is that when you're born, you know, and you exist in this world where someone is constantly, who's supposed to love you, right. is beating you and harming you uh. and, and, ex, and exploiting you, you, you have this, not only this sense of not being safe because you're not, right. but also this sense that like you're worthless. No one loves you. Because of you, yeah. not because of them. Right. Like you are inherently- It's your flaw. Yeah, you're inherently unlovable. Oh my God. And then and no you, matter if the whole world loves you, right. it's not enough. Right. And so imagine that complex of like, it, you know, that his dad probably instilled it in, which is like, I will give you reward and maybe love and attention if you manage to get a number one hit. Right. If you manage to, you know, get this crowd going. And then the sort of neuroses that would develop from that, right, of just constantly needing more and more and more of that, wow. right? Um, negative self-concept, worthlessness, guilt, interpersonal problems, uh, not feeling close to other people, feeling disconnected. That's a big part of Michael, actually, is like, from what I can get glean from his um, from his interviews, he felt quite disconnected, again, particularly later in life. Unstable sense of who he was, you know? Because oh. imagine if he really had a good... So compared to Stevie Wonder, right? Stevie Wonder had problems growing up too, but not these kinds of problems. Right. And, you know, Stevie Wonder, when you, when you see interviews with him, even when he was younger, you get a sense like he knows who he is. Yeah. And, you know, he went through some weird times and some weird fashion choices, but I, I got the sense like he doesn't really care. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. He's just like, you know what? I, I'm me and yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Because think about all the criticism you get when you're in that position. Sure. And Michael Jackson was no exception to that. And I think that he couldn't really protect himself from the media. Yeah. You know, you need a really... You know, like with me, when I'm just like, fuck you, YouTube people. Yeah. Like, because I don't have complex PTSD or borderline, I'm able to look at that. It hurts, and that's why I'm angry. Right. But at the same time, it doesn't get to me because I, I, I see it as their problem. Yeah. You know, it, it gets under my skin a little bit, and then I very quickly, I'm like, uh, this is on them. <laughs> right. This is not me. Yeah. Like, I'll listen and yeah, I don't know, you know, and imagine you're Michael Jackson who grew up in this traumatic environment right. where, where you're not even developing a sense of who you are. So if the media says something negative about you, it's you. It's, and then imagine like the, the complex around that, that you would develop and how hard it would be to fall asleep at night. Cause all that stuff is running through your head. Right. You know, and, and, how, and then it just mounts. Yeah. And then how hard it would be to like have a relationship with someone because you're so much up in your head, you can't really interface with another human being to get your right. attachment needs met, you know? And um, they're so young. Yeah. And suicidal ideation. So so I just listed a bunch of symptoms of the complex PTSD borderline spectrum. Um, okay. So stuff we can point to, other things that we point to. His changing face. What what do you remember about his changing face, Berto? Oh, man. Like the details of so it. So at first, definitely, like you're saying... Well, actually, so I didn't know him too well before Thriller, I guess. But I do remember when Bad came out, I was like, why does he look whiter? He looks whiter, and like more white. And his nose, what happened? Like his nose is thinner. And I didn't know about nose surgeries back then. So I'm like, what happened? Yeah. Like, he just doesn't look the same. 
And that album cover was so bad, too. It was bad. It's just like him <laughs> with like this red bad. Yes. And then, and then you get to the next one with the... the dan, 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 I'm, so black and white. Yeah. And it's even... He's thinner and his it's like, like face is bonier and his nose is even thinner. And I'm like, what's happening? And then you get in the 90s where it starts looking like his face is falling off. Yeah. Like it looks like there's pictures of him like with like melty face and stuff. Yeah, like his eyes didn't look real. They didn't look real. They look weird. I, I didn't know what was happening. Yeah. Yeah, and his eyebrows looked funny and like every like he had a painted face. Yeah, like everything just looked so weird. Yeah. And it was it it was really hard to look at. It yeah. it, it to to me it was the very first example of that. You know, we've seen other examples since then. Yeah. Of, like of I think, people doing that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think the lead singer of um, <sighs> uh, Watch You Ride Round, Baby, Ride Round. Oh, really? Like, like, soft Cell? No, not Soft Cell. That's a different band. Um, oh, wait. Anyway, uh, whatever. Spin me, right, right, baby. Oh, I see. The, the lead singer of that song, I think, is, has, has, has one of those, uh, you know, severe facial really? situations. And, and, so yeah, and and it was so hard to watch because again he was such a huge star, yeah. And we saw him all the, t- and he was still performing with the thing. <laughs> you know, he, he didn't do that to his face and you know drift into obscurity. You know, he was yeah. still making hits, making videos, doing live performances. I think his Super Bowl performance was in the '90s somewhere. Um, and so you know he was still, and he would do all the stuff with his hair and his hat to kind of. Cover it, cover up. it, but then he would not cover it up sometimes, and and he claimed he had vitiligo, vitiligo or something, right? So, a bit, bit on that that I could research is that it's unclear. Yeah. So he might have actually had it, and uh, and and therefore he, his the his, the bleaching of the skin was to try to make it uniform. Yeah. You know what I mean? But there's also people that are saying. No, he didn't have it because of this and that. There's also people that are saying, well, if he did have it, he might have uh, overused the bleaching agents yeah. to such a degree that it made it so that that happened to his face. You know, like there's right. there's a lot of speculation, and and there's just there's just no way to know the answer because you know anything Michael said, you can't really trust. Yeah, and then the physicians. Of which there were probably, I'm guessing thousands of physicians were involved in his life, each at a different kind of micro moment. Uh, who knows what they're trying to protect in terms of their own malpractice? Yeah, right. The people close to him seemingly barely understood what was happening. You know, yeah. so it's like there's just no way to know. I I think. Because uh, I mean, there was a time, well, not a short time, uh, quite a long time, where we had he had essentially unlimited funds. Right. And privacy for for a bit because, you know, it wasn't – of course, there were paparazzi and stuff like that. But it's not the world of right now where it's 24-7 internet news and things like that. So he could go to some facility and get a whole bunch of stuff done. Right. And maybe one of the news world today or whatever might publish a picture. But it, it, it wasn't all over the news until he would appear somewhere in public looking really freaky. Right. You know, and uh, he had enough money to to probably shuttle him around secretly. Yeah. You know what I mean? 
So anyway, and, and and it's not like he went. He didn't go from no, normal skin to like patchy skin and then light skin. He went from normal dark skin to why does he look whiter? Yeah, but he still looked okay. Like he looked normal, but just whiter. Right. So it, it appears that he had dozens of surgeries. Yeah. His nose is something out of I don't even know what. Right. He had a cleft chin eventually. Something added there. Right. His, I remember that. <laughs> his at his eyes looked very different. His eyebrows were had surgery on it. Like the eyes, I felt like he was trying to become an anime character. His his lips were also thinned. Right. You know, and so yeah. So that whole that whole speculation was. That he was trying to be white, you know, like he was embarrassed of his race or something. Right. That's what people were saying. And it, that's a very complex question is, was he trying to be white because of internalized racism, for example? Right. Some people say, you know, he, you know, grew up with racism just like anybody else did. Some people say he's trying to not look like his dad. So, mm. you know, he's trying to look as different from his dad as possible. Um, and we'll get into other things there. Also, um, uh, he acted like a child. So this is another thing right. that we'll get into later. But my, my most uh, sort of salient analysis is what I always come back to, which is the psychodynamic uh, defense of, of predictive identification. He was abused and made to feel disgusting and worthless yeah. and, and in pain a lot of the time. So, you know, he's seven years old, eight years old, nine years old, and he's getting constant message that he's worthless. He's right. not he's not good enough. And there's nothing he can do to get his father's love. And and he's in pain a lot of times. And maybe one of the only things that can save him is if he's perfect on stage mm. and if he's a child. Yeah, if he's a child who looks perfect, acts perfect, sings perfect. He ha- so he has to be a child. He has to be perfect, but he's also worthless and no one loves him. And there's another and there's an outside force, his father, who is constantly criticizing and hurting him and abusing him. Okay? So he internalizes that relationship and then as an adult, he completely recreates that relationship not with his father, but now with society. Yeah. So by altering his face to the point where people have to criticize him and think he's disgusting, he recreates that relationship with with wow. with society. And he does odd things yeah. so that people will abuse him on Because that'll feel familiar. Right. So it's a total recreation. He recreated his relationship with his dad with all of us. Like, you all love me now? Okay, good. Now I need you to abuse me. Right. Wow. And I'm going to make my face as disgusting as the way my dad made, uh, and it worked made of, me feel. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, but I'll consciously be constantly trying to improve my face to get love yeah. from other people. But... But unconsciously, I'm going to destroy my face yeah. so that other people will criticize me. Now, again, I just want to say I have no idea if this is correct because I've never met the guy and I'm only going off what's on the internet. Right. But that's, that's my, my two cents right there. Um, 
Okay. So other things we can talk about are, uh, well, let's take a break first. What do you say, Burrow? All right. All right. We're back from the break. Let's go on with some more stuff about psych- psychology that we can comment on. Child abuse. Uh, right. Well, what do you, what do you want to say, Burrow? It seems like he um, abused children. Molesting? Molested. Yeah. Uh, Well, before we get into that, because that's sort of a topic, what other kinds of things might we be able to say? Uh, Let's see. Well, he also seemed to have a complex relationship with his sisters. How so? Uh, Well, like, I don't know. Now I'm kind of... But I remember some drama with, like, LaToya. Yeah. And yet, he seemed to get along with Janet. Yeah. Well, And then his brothers, like, he collaborated with one of them at some point, but then they didn't really seem to be seen together ever. Yeah, I think there was a falling out at one point because, you know, there was the Jackson 5. Right. And then Michael became this megastar. Yeah. And the other Jackson brothers were completely in the dust. (laughs) And I think, I remember hearing rumors about tensions between that. Like, hey, how come you're not letting us at least get a little bit of the the fame? And and I, I remember in the 80s, they actually I think had a song that they worked on as, yeah. as a as a five sum. Yeah. That was terrible. I just remember I trying, it was it was that the one with the hands with the eyeballs? I don't know. Or was that a was But I just remember a, I just remember feeling like oh the brothers are trying to mooch off yeah. mooch off Michaels. Or know. their names Jerome or Well, there was Jermaine 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 Jackson. Uh Tito was really Tito. young. You got Janet, you have Latoya. Um, Tito and Jermaine are the two I remember. But there were three older brothers. Jermaine was one of the older ones, and then there were, but he was j- uh, just, I think, a little. Anyway, um, what else can we say? Let's see. Um, oh, so he had these uh, relationships, like friendships, with troubled people. Yeah. Like famous troubled people. Yeah. Uh, Presley, of course, uh, uh, Corey Feldman, uh, Macaulay Culkin. Uh, and uh, Elizabeth uh, Taylor, and th- there was a lot of people he had relationships with that were troubled as well. Right. And that seemed interesting because they sort of att- attracted... Oh, uh, the other one, uh, the um, sh- child star, movie star, uh, Brooke Shields. Oh, Brooke Shields, yeah. Yeah. Did she, yeah, she had problems growing up too. Yeah. Right? yeah. right, I hadn't thought about that. Sort of... Um, Attracted to some, you know, yeah. similar people who have similar suffering. If you think of all of, like, you know, Corey Feldman, uh, who's come out as saying that he was abused, he was by abused, and mul- multiple people right. in the in the business. and he could have easily gone the way of Corey Haim, and uh, Macaulay Culkin has struggled severely, you know, yeah, all these, yeah, so, and they they all have in common that they all became very famous at a very young age, right probably were abused in one or several ways by different people along the way. And they all had a really hard time coping with it after they... Another interesting thing is, and I can relate to this, when you saw these people in their late teens, early 20s, they actually all seemed well-adjusted from afar. You know, like Michael seemed well-adjusted in that time frame. The -the off-the-wall thriller, you're like... And I can relate to this because, you know... Thinking of when I hit those early 20s, I I felt fine. Like, yeah, it's me. I'm here. I'm ready for the world. What's up? And it wasn't until my late 20s, early, like 30, where it was like, oh, what the hell is wrong with me? Right. It's interesting that that happens, that our issues 
kind of culminate and become compounded to the point where they become much more noticeable in our later 20s and early 30s. Yeah. You know, at, when we're 20 years old, for, for many of us, for many of us not, uh, but for some of us, our, our issues don't impact us. I, I mean, I guess one argument is like our, we don't have enough responsibilities. Yeah, that's, that's one of it for sure. Uh, but also <laughs> I think the, the kind of feeling of invincibility might kind of shield us a little bit from right. the anxiety of life. You know? Like let's say you have a problem where you lose your temper easily and you get fired. Not violently or whatever. Just, you know, you have a hard time at, at work. But you're 19 and you just got let go of McDonald's or, or something. Okay, so you lost a job at McDonald's. No big deal. But then that pattern keeps happening through your 20s, and then now you're 30, and you can't hold a job. Right. That's a very different thing. And you start building like resentments yes. and, and phobias about things. That and then are- you don't know what's wrong with you at that point. Because when you were 19, you, you were like, I don't know. I'm just here. I just, I barely, I'm here. What's up? Yeah. But by 30, you're like, wait, wait, wait. I'm noticing a pattern here. Is it me? Right. <laughs> so other things is that we can talk about psych- psychologically is he may have been addicted to substances. Yeah. Opioids, benzos. There's evidence and reports of him, what they call drug seeking, where he would go to various different physicians and hit them up for various mm-hmm. different prescriptions, which is interesting that even a rich, famous <laughs> guy to do that. like him would still have to do right. that. And there's reports of physicians refusing to give him meds <laughs> who are like... uh you know, no, I'm not going to give you a, a, simul- a stimulant right. because it's not related to what we're talking about. Yeah. So, uh, and I'm, and so there's a possibility that he had been taking, you know, what happened, and this happened to Elvis too, is that you, and, and maybe even happened to Prince, is that you need a, you know, uh, People, people can relate to this on some level because with like um, things like um, Ambien, for example, mm-hmm. it, you're like, oh man, I, I, you know, every other night it's hard for me to fall asleep. Right. I'll lie in bed for two hours just staring at the ceiling and I really need to get to sleep. And you go to your doctor, they're like, well, here's this Ambien. You take the Ambien, boom, you're out. And then over time, uh, you know, you're like, well, maybe I shouldn't take the Ambien anymore. Mm-hmm. You start taking the Ambien... And for a week, and you can't sleep at all now, <laughs> because not only are you kind of dependent on the Ambien to fall asleep, but you're so f- you're so freaked out about right. like maybe I need the Ambien Ugh. that like so then so then you so you go right back to the Ambien. You're like, oh, I'm never doing that again. Well, then eventually the Ambien stops working because you build up a tolerance, right? Um, or some other problem kind of sets in. So you're like, well, maybe you need to add another one. And this is a common story, by the right. way. I mean, I know people who went down this road. Uh, clients too, and they're like, "Oh, maybe I need a you know some kind of um, other med to yeah. tell me." Follow. Okay, add that one. Same kind of scenario. Um, well, now I'm really groggy in the morning because I, I'm so knocked out that I'm not. <laughs> I'm actually not getting restful sleep. So you need another drug to, to wake up in the morning. Oh man! And then uh, and then that leads to other complications. And then, and then now, now you've got like seven meds going. Oh no! And and you and you're Michael Jackson. You you have a concert coming up. You can't toy around with your meds going into that. You've got to perform in a month, and you've got right. practices, and you've got you know meetings, and so you got to make this happen. And so it's like, okay, well, Doc, here's my situation. I need all these substances. Yeah. 
what what do I need to prepare for moving to the next, you know, to get me going for the next thing? Well, now you're starting to develop, because you have complex PTSD and you have uh, potentially you're on the borderline spectrum, you also are really suffering emotionally. <laughs> oh, man. And you, when you suffer emotionally, you start to have somatic symptoms sometimes. Yeah. You know, your stomach starts to hurt, your you get fatigue, you get headaches, and now now you're taking meds for that too. This uh, this happens to athletes quite a bit too because the high end athletes they have doctors on staff everything. So you know you wonder, wait that person just got knocked really hard. Looks like they got injured. Next game they're back. They look fine. Right. How does that work? <laughs> yeah, and it's like they're pumped up on tons of stuff. Right. Yeah. I mean, you're in the NFL, yep. and all you need is to you know take a good dose of oxycodone yeah and you're good to go yeah to smash your body around yeah. like and and that's your livelihood you know yeah so whereas so, steroids are not okay <laughs> well and and so so the right exactly <laughs> so the um so you're michael jackson and you, and you you really and you're not going to therapy is the thing mm-hmm. like there's from what i can tell there was no bouts of therapy for right. michael and you're just suffering more and more and you're through projective identification with your face and society and, you know, the monkey and all this stuff. And you're trying to have attachments, but nothing's really working because you you have a hard time trusting other people and you, you develop these really quick relationships with people. And then, and then you end up kind of rejecting them because you don't trust them and you're really afraid and, and you're just suffering more and more and your body is suffering more and more and there's more substances and, and you can get any physician to, to give you more and more and, and it's just cascades and it just gets worse and worse and you're, and you're super addicted to all that stuff. But it's all in the cycle of shame and it's all in the cycle of attachment problems and, and then, you know, then there's an accident with propofol and you die, you know? Yeah. There's also a possibility uh, that he had anorexia because you you know you were mentioning yeah he did look so rail thin yeah it's hard to know if I mean he was always a skinny guy yeah but that's also considering he was dan- a dancing fool yeah it, it's hard to know if he was kind of a typical famous person who was just trying to keep his figure or if he actually suffered from anorexia it's hard yeah. it's hard to tell because anorexia is very particular it's not just it's not just someone who loses yeah, weight sure. you know um body dysmorphic disorder is also something obviously that you could you could uh, yeah. apply the the question is was he trying so so what one thing i have we have to mention that i haven't yet is that it's possible that he had a botched plastic surgery job and then that spiraled everything right yeah. and then he kept trying to fix, fix it, it. Yeah. you know what i mean and it and nothing worked and then he and then he had the added problem of the <laughs> skin pigment problem and it's <laughs> and then he had then he actually had the the pepsi commercial where he had burns on his face yeah right and and so you know all the things sort of you know and then that, didn't that cause him permanent pain uh, i read something that like after that accident he was sort of like always in pain yeah, so was that, you know, pain from that or was it some other kind of, you know, right. was it the substances he was on or the the schedule he was on or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um or did he actually have body dysmorphic disorder in that when he looked at himself in the mirror, he couldn't stand it. Yeah, was he just like my nose is too big, you know? Yeah. Wait, like there's a possibility that you know, 
toward the end of his life, when he looked at himself in the mirror, he's like, I need another nose job because my nose is too big. Oh, my God. Like, that's what body dysmorphic disorder does. Right. It's, it's, it's semi-delusional. I it's, mean, it's similar to anorexia. The, the anorexia and stuff. It's like, I'm fat. Right. And there's no amount of, like, evidence that you can give the person. Right. Like, you can measure his, his nose and you can be like, you don't understand. Right. Your nose is literally the smallest nose of an adult that's ever that's ever existed. <laughs> yeah, and it won't, it's like, and well, it yeah, still looks fat. It's yeah, but uh, look at it; it's yeah, huge. It's you gross. know, it's I disgusting. want it to be more blah blah blah. And so, it's possible that that could have been. And trauma, you know, trauma plays a role in all these things. Of course, anorexia, body dysmorphia disorder. Now, it's hard to know again if that's how he felt about his nose or his yeah. face or. If was he just trying to fix? Problems? Or did he look at himself in the mirror and and see something bad? Because there's evidence that he did. There's evidence. Yeah. Or did he just know that everyone else saw it was bad and he didn't really care? You know, um, depression, anxiety, OCD are also possibilities. But okay, so let's get into the pedophilia. So I'm I'm lumping in pedophilia with regression because I consider those two things likely to be the same issue for Michael. So. We're going to talk about pedophilia and, reject, and, okay. and regression, meaning as a, a defense mechanism of regressing to an earlier phase of development. Okay. And you'll, you, you see everyone do this. So you'll see when a six-year-old is stressed out, they might start talking like a baby. I see. You know, they'll, they'll be like, and parent, this drives parents nuts, you know? You're not a three-year-old. Yeah. Talk like you're, talk <laughs> like a big girl. Yeah. You're not three, you know, because they're stressed out and they... It feels good to return to an earlier, easier right. stage of life, and it also elicits a response from people that's more sympathetic because we tend to be nicer to younger people. Right. So the pedophilia and, and regression, and regression. I think, I think he was. I think he might have had pedophilic thoughts at the very least, uh, even behaviors as a result, probably of the regression. Um, it's also possible he was sexually abused and, and he was acting that out. It's hard right. to know. But I have no idea. I, 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 when I set out to do research on this, I actually, for the first time in my, because I avoided the news when yeah. I was, or I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't pay attention to the news in the 90s. And so I just really had no idea. You didn't really know. Yeah, and I heard, I heard a lot of different things. You know, people saying, oh, of course he did, and you know, blah, blah, blah. And other people saying, no, no. And so I've, I always wanted to know the answer. So the past few days, I've been really trying to figure this out. And at the end of the road, I'm here to say, like, I, I can't tell. Like, there, and we'll get into the different sides of it, but there's, there's no way to know is the thing. Yeah. Because there's no video recording of him sexually abusing children. Right. Everyone has a clear motive to lie. Yeah. Michael Jackson obviously has a motive to lie yeah. that he didn't do it. Pe- and, go yeah. ahead. Well, I was going to say, one thing that does give me pause, but it doesn't really mean much, but uh, Corey Feldman has come out really aggressively against people that abused him and, and that he knows abused other people, like Corey Haim and things like that. Yet he stands fully in defense of Michael Jackson and stuff like that. Now, of course, doesn't mean anything because... He just couldn't have seen it, maybe, or whatever. Right. But what I don't think is the case is I don't think Corey Feldman saw those behaviors and is lying because that but, would seem inconsistent with him being so aggressive about all these other ones. But he could be. But he you could know, be. like the thing is that that people love to do when they watch stuff like this 
is they like to come down hard on one side, yeah. you know, and there will be people that will comment on YouTube hard on yeah. one side. They'll be like, how could you possibly think that he didn't molest those kids? Other people, how could you possibly believe he did that, you know? Yeah. The thing is, is no one knows. Yeah. And I thought doing the research that I did that I would be convinced. Yeah. And I'll, I'll say just from the outset that I, I'm giving it like a 60% chance that he did. Yeah. Abuse, that he did have sexual contact with at least one of those kids. Because, I mean, he settled, right? Yeah. Several cases. There was one that theoretically described his genitals and right. all these things. Right. And so, but I don't know. I mean, there's a 40%, 45% chance in my mind that he never sexually did anything with those kids and and just wanted, and, and it was just regressing to that of an 11-year-old and wanted to hang out with other 11-year-olds. Yeah. Because he, there, you know, that in in the clinical world, we see this all the time. We don't see this in, in with adults very much because, like, if Michael Jackson was any other adult, he would have been beat up by parents or not given access to kids like this or something. You know what yeah. I mean? But we see this with kids all the time. So in my world, family therapy, we see, oh, that 12-year-old... All of his friends are seven, you know, because he's developmentally like a seven-year-old. Like he doesn't get – that 12-year-old boy does not get along with other 12-year-old boys. And when he's around other 12-year-old boys, it kind of freaks him out because the way they play is a little too rough and a little too complex. But, man, does that 12-year-old boy get along with the seven-year-old boys in his neighborhood? Like – he gets along great with those seven-year-old boys. They play, they, they play, and the seven-year-old boys kind of look up to him because he's taller, and and that kind of stuff works out all the time. And and we don't pathologize that, other than to say mm-hmm. like, oh, well, he's developmentally delayed, or he was abused, and he's yeah. you know he's regressing or whatever. And we're just like, okay, you know, how can we make this work? And so it, it's there's nothing abnormal in my world about a uh, someone who feels very comfortable with people younger than him. So so that totally could have been it. But there's I mean, but the difference here is it's a a, a grown millionaire man with a whole bunch of kid boys staying the night. And, right. I mean, it's just Right. The 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 reason the biggest thing that sort of tips now again, I'm not saying he did it or he didn't because I don't yeah. know. And no and the thing is is no one will ever right. know. Although I, my point was more like that just shouldn't happen, anyways. Like, let's not do that so that we don't get into situations like right. That. The, the the thing <laughs> that the the thing that pushes the possibility more towards him possibly doing it is that why after being accused of these things for for several years after he he went through a massive public humiliation trial in right. 1993, why would you continue to not only hang out with kids alone? But sleep with them in your bed. In your bed, right? And why would you need that? Like, there's one thing about hanging out with kids and and yeah. having kids over, and but you would think that he would have been like, okay, that's the end of that. That's the end of that one, right? Be- because I don't need that. Shit. I was trying to be like, you know, let's assume, let's play uh, devil's advocate here. I was trying to be nice. I was being like super charitable to these needy kids, and it and it was like a slumber party. And it backfired. I'm never doing that shit again, right? Because because why do why do I why do, no? I, I liked you know. How about I play with the kids with the parents present yeah. at, at all times? Yeah. 
What's you know? Simple why solution. do I need to have them alone? That sucks about that is that that coach, the the medical doctor from the Olympic thing, where the parents were present, but yeah. he was abusing these girls for decades. Right. <laughs> oh my right. god. Right. See, the other thing that I want to point to is that with the Weinstein thing, we for many years, for decades, with Harvey Weinstein, we pointed at the victims, at least in society and said, oh, they're just out for money. Mm. Weinstein might not have even done any of those right, things. Right, right. And, and we were like, oh, they're probably lying because they're trying to get a paycheck right. and all this stuff. And boy, were we wrong. Yeah. And what we constantly learn in examples like this is the vast majority of people who are abused in this way don't say anything, mm-hmm. let alone sue. Right. You know, they, they won't say a word. Right. And so when you actually hear... One story, two stories, ten stories, yeah. twenty stories, and there's reasonable evidence that it could have occurred. You know, because if these yeah. kids were just coming out of the blue, Michael Jackson just looks at him and oh, he's sexual. No, yeah, yeah. these were kids who slept in his bed. Yeah. And like, <laughs> like you're saying, look, if it had happened once and he got unlucky that someone was a really bad person, a parent is like, oh, we got our ticket now. Then why indulge that behavior ever again? Unless you are so sexually compelled yeah. that you're willing to take that risk. Right. Now, right. having said that, there's a 40% chance in my mind, because he's such an odd individual, yeah. that I can see him, I can absolutely see a world in which he was just so naive yeah. and so, I don't know, just like... You know, dead set on proving to the world that you know yeah. what? Fuck you, people! Right. I can I can sleep with I can sleep with kids. Be- <laughs> I can sleep with whomever I want <laughs> because I'm not abusing these kids, right? And the kids enjoy doing this. Yeah, you could imagine not a good strategy, but you could imagine this strategy in his head of, well, okay, I'm going to demonstrate that that wasn't the case because I'm going to keep doing what I was doing as if nothing was different. Because nothing is bad, right? Right. Like, yeah. And and I'm and I'm all about love, and I'm all about acceptance, right. and 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 there are plenty of kids who, you know, support me, and right. you know, and and I don't like adults because they are, you know, bad people in my experience, and and kids are just they're just open, and and I feel safe with them, and and it actually, you know, so someone actually confronted him in a documentary, Martin Bashir did. And Michael said, I sleep in the bed with all of them. Then we wake up at dawn and, and we go in a hot air balloon. It, <laughs> it's, it's very loving. That's what the world needs now, more love. And then Bashir is like, okay, great. The world needs more love, but does the world need a 40-something-year-old man sleeping with children in a bed? <laughs> and, and then Michael Jackson says something like, it's, you, know, you don't get it. it it's about... Wonderful things. So uh, that's just so unnecessary. But who are these parents? Like, why would they? Even if it was a totally like, if they had never heard any rumors or anything. Well, again, you, you go to the Harvey Weinstein people. Who are these women? No, no, no. I know, but what I'm saying is, why would the parents send their kids to spend the night with a millionaire by themselves? Because again, it's the exact same question as the Harvey Weinstein. Why would even when you hear bad rumors about Harvey Harvey Weinstein, 
why would you even hang out with the guy? No, well, I because, understand that. Because I, this guy can make or break your life. Michael Jackson had so much money and resources that as if you're a parent and he wants to even know who you are, like that is a compelling right. pot, but, but jackpot. The, you yeah, know? but the difference is I'm not even ta- – like I just I can't understand the mentality of the parent that is not protective enough of their child that any millionaire saying, yeah, bring your child, have him spend the night over, that they're like, okay. But, that doesn't make sense to me. I, I know it doesn't, but – because the, the Harvey Weinstein example you're saying is, yeah, I heard he's done some stuff, but I, I need this job. But it's the same thing. So, like, you know, imagine you – well, one, the media was so jumbled up, as it still is about this, that as a parent, you could – you know, many parents out there would be like, I don't think he did it. I think all those other parents were just out for a paycheck. You know I just what I mean? cannot imagine – Forget millionaires. I cannot imagine a single situation ever where I would send my underage child to spend the night with an adult. That is an impossibility in my mind. But it's, Let Michael, alone, but it's Michael Jackson, my No, friend. but that's even worse because it's like, wait, some millionaire in their house? Like, that's yeah. even worse. Well, I, I get it, but I, I, I wonder, Birdo, if you were in that situation, if you would at least be a able six, to... Six billion percent absolutely... In fact, the fact that they asked... I would never come across that person again. Like, that would be the creepiest thing they would have asked me. And that might be... I think you have way too much confidence in your ability to... No, it it, it, it might be because I was abused. I don't know what it is, but I wouldn't... That's a line I wouldn't even come close to. I would seriously disconnect all ties to that person. Okay. If they were like an adult person, like, hey, why don't you send your child to spend the night with I'm just always skeptical of people who say stuff like this because it's, it's a similar thing that people will say, well, like... You know, if I was married to a guy and he hit me, I would be done. That would be it. I would leave. I that 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 would you know all I would need was once, and I'd be out the door. And I'm always like, uh, you don't know what it's like until you're there. But some people have real lines. Like I've encountered people in my life that have real lines where you think, ah, you just no. But some people have real lines, and for me, this would be a real line. And and, and it's it's the kind of thing you where. Can, but my point is, is you can have a quote unquote real line. And be so intimidated by a particular situation and slowly groomed and slowly intimidated towards something at, at an end or slowly incentivized in such a way that by the end of the road, you are in a situation that you never would have thought you would be in. But I'm then just, that, that's equivalent to me being able to say right now that there is no way I can understand those parents. Because what you've just described is me having to walk through some long road that at the end, it's not even the person that I am right now. So, right, the person I am right now, I cannot begin to understand those parents. I don't doubt that. I don't doubt that right now you have no idea what it would be like to be those parents. Yeah. Like, I have zero empathy for the parents in that case. Well, I've (laughs) – that's where we part is that unless you are there and and – and experience in a similar way to the Harvey Weinstein thing, unless because some of those women uh, that were abused engaged in long-term relationships with him, you know. But yeah, and they were raped and harmed, and you know, or with. Um, but that's very different. We're talking about like the difference is 
I, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm actually excluding fame, celebrity. I'm excluding everything. And I'm simply well, I, saying... You can't exclude it. That's the point. Michael Jackson had all those things. Well, I know, but I'm actually making an even narrower line in the sand, which is there is no reason why a child needs to sleep with an, an adult. <laughs> I, know. I get Other that. Other than it's like their parents because it's nighttime or whatever. I get that. So, so There's also no reason why you would go into a room with a known rapist. Uh, well, I can I can there's understand also, that. There's one. also no reason to stay in a relationship with someone who beats you. But but the known rapist thing, the the Harvey Weinstein is it, it is still categorically different because most of these, not all, I who knows, right? But I could imagine a situation where you've heard rumors, you've heard rumors. Yeah, someone said that about. But you haven't experienced it personally. There were plenty of you. victims. There were plenty of Harvey Weinstein victims who were victimized multiple times, right? And who continued to engage in a relationship with him. Well, okay, but I mean, I also can't understand those. But but I, at least I get that adults. you don't understand but, it, Berto, but, but that a, doesn't mean that there's not a reasonable path to that victimization. But not for everyone, because clearly not everyone. Does. I would contend everyone is no. susceptible to that. I have seen, believe me, my friend, I have seen quote unquote. Strong people. Well, but the who, fact is not everyone is because there's people that turned them down. Because they didn't get pressured in a particular but way. But you're, then you're cooking the data the other way. Like there is evidence that there are people so that turned them down. So what's the difference? Well, all I'm saying is that... What's the difference? That's, well, I don't know what the difference you, is. You, you have to tell me what's the difference between those who... Different lines. Drew a heart, different lines. And why do they have different lines? For whatever amount of experiences they had in their life, because it, it added because up one to person lines. It, it boils down to you're saying one person is strong and one person is weak. No, that's not what I'm saying. Well, what are you I'm saying? I'm saying different lines. Some people have lines that. Why I would care someone about. have a weak line? Why would someone have a? Well, that's have not a even a weak line. line. It's just some people have lines that a, I can't a bad relate line. to. A bad line. They have a bad line. I, I'm not using fault. those words. It's I'm not their using those words. Fault. I'm not using those words. I did say I did. Yes, you are. You're blaming it on well, them. Did, it's I, total victim blaming. I did say I'm blaming the parents for sending their children to uh, sleep with an adult. I yeah. am saying that. Yeah. Yes. And that, you don't, in that particular example, you don't know their circumstances. You weren't there. But well, yeah, at some point you have to draw a line, right? Like if here's the extreme example. Uh, someone says, "Hey, can you lend me your child? I'm going to shoot them." If the parents lend the child, I think we would all agree right. they are blamed. And that is not what happened. Right. But there is a line. My line ends well before I'm going to send your child to sleep with this adult. I'm just saying that it. I wasn't there, but I've been in enough of these situations closely, personally and clinically, to know that there are roads to these horrible results that... The people involved will say, I can't believe, if you would have asked me at the beginning of this process, would you allow Michael Jackson to sleep with your child? I would have said no. But let me tell you the story. Yeah, I can understand that. But but it, it is very, like, scouts, right? Like, I sent my child to the scouts. Are we going to blame the parents? Nowadays, maybe. Like, or I send my child to a to be with some priests. Yeah, maybe I could blame them. But I wouldn't have always blamed the parents because that seems like you put some trust in institutions and then they defraud you. I, I see your point that there are – I could see the situation where it's like first you get, you're all invited to dinner. And like, hey, you know, a whole bunch of kids are coming tomorrow to play in my thing. And he doesn't say – and they're going to sleep in my bed. Like, he doesn't say that, right? 
And the parents are like, oh, okay, I guess. And he's, he shows them, look, they have this playroom. They're all going to crash in their, in their uh, jammies and their uh, sleeping bags. And I could see that, right? I'm saying for me, that line, we've already passed the line. But, but so if I'm being insensitive to those parents, I, I guess I take that back. But I, I am saying that I do not understand you don't get how it. they do it. You don't get that's it. That's right. And that's where it has to end. And I'm telling you. If you want to have empathy for victims of situations like that, you just have to say, I don't get it, and I wonder how it got there. Yeah, but but then I, I disagree with you that we can't draw lines because we clearly in society do draw lines and we hold people accountable and we put them in jail or we find them in certain cases. And for me, my lines when it comes to this is like, don't just don't send your children to spend the night with adults that you don't know. It, it, it's just you're sure, billionaires in their minds. Sure. If you want to say that legally speaking, you can quote unquote, you know, either criminalize or sue a parent for being negligent and, uh, and, and quote unquote, allowing themselves to be tricked into a situation, then, then I don't, yeah. Yeah. I, imagine, imagine but, a case of divorced parents where they have visitation rights. One of the parents, decides after the Michael Jackson lawsuit and after all this media stuff, decides to let their child spend the night with Michael Jackson. Absolutely see a lawsuit on the other side. Sure. I, if, if you want to talk about law, if I, I, I don't really have an opinion on that. But my, uh, my knowledge of humans, uh, you know, the vast majority of parents are just like you in, in the exact same, you know, vibe. They are desperate to protect children and especially their own children but we know a lot of parents not a lot but we know there's classes of parents that don't they they will leave their child in the car and they will die because of asphyxiation or they will and and we have to ask ourselves how does that happen okay yeah Uh, drug addiction mental illness yeah all sorts of reasons uh, that get in the way of their for you know their true nature of of really caring yeah and being almost biologically driven to protect children, any child really, and so there are reasons. And, and there's a there's a narrative in our society that you're emulating, which is like parents, or you're you know, sounding like to me of parents. There are, there's a there's a class of bad parents who leave their kids in the car, and we love to bash them. And I just have to say like. You really have to go to these people in a kind way, the way I do. You know, I don't discriminate. What What am I supposed to do, Berto? Like, people come to me and ask for help, and I'm like, "Oh, bad parent." No, I like, understand. A diagnosis, bad parent. I understand your 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 situation, but you know, for example, take the the car thing. There is a difference, and both are horrible, of course. But there is a difference between the the sleepless dad. He hasn't slept for three nights because the baby is an infant. In fact, they might be struggling by themselves. Maybe mom is not around. Who knows? And they go to get some groceries at the drugstore. And for a second, they leave the child in the car because they're not even thinking straight. And they come back and the child has like overheated. Oh, what a tragedy. It's their life is forfeit. Okay. That's horrible. It is irresponsible, but man. But I guarantee you that guy comes out of the store. And everyone's going to be yelling right, at right, him. Right, right, right. And I can understand. Right? And he's going to fight back because he doesn't right. know how to communicate right. very well. And then, and then, he's going to look like a quote unquote bad parent. Right. Then, then there's the parents that willfully and purposely daily lock their child, 
have them go, you know, without food or water as torture on purpose. Like there are these extremes. And the the parent you just described is like Michael Jackson's dad. Yes, exactly. Who is sadistic and horrible. Right. So I'm so, not saying those parents with the children that I, I, I'm not putting them in that category. But I'm also not putting them in the uninf uh, like in 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 the it was a total accident category. I am putting them somewhere right. to the right of that. It it Michael Jackson it, from the little bit of evidence I had, if he actually was sexually abusing these children, which we don't know, yeah. he was intent on doing it. And if he did do it, it's possible he did it with dozens of children, most of which are silent today. And he knew how to make it happen. And he knew what to do. Yeah. To work his magic to 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 get there eventually, and not only get there, but to kind of have like ongoing sexual relationships with some of these kids. Yeah. So it's not like Michael just said, "Hey, let's," you know. He, I, I'm guessing there was a a very slow progress, you yeah. know, process. Anyway, um, a couple other things we didn't get into was again he got married to Elvis's daughter, and then he married another woman. Who seemingly was out of nowhere, and yeah, who was that? that I, I don't know the backstory. Some blonde, yeah, and but what he did was he had a a contract a prenup that said that if they have kids and they divorce, he gets full access to the kids, like a hundred percent. Oh, and and it was a and she, she, you know, Michael forced her to sign this contract or something, and so. Then they had three kids, and it's rumored that all of them are not actually Michael's kids. What? Well, have you seen pictures of them? Uh, not as they've grown, no. Well, even when they were kids. I, I don't remember, but so they don't look like him? Well, they don't, look, they don't look like him, and they don't look black. They're not black. Yeah. Well, but he didn't look black later. <laughs> right. And so, so that's His what people... His genes changed. Right, right. It, it's, um, <laughs> it's, a, it's that kind of thinking. It's like... He's, his his sperm were still you know African sperm yeah and so hit the now who knows because there are genetic kids there are half black kids who look very white so I mean I'm half Japanese and there are half sure. ja- I've met I've met half Japanese kids who don't look a, any Asian at all so and there are half Japanese people who look a hundred percent Asian so there there's you know there's possibilities but. When you have three kids who, one, don't even really look alike. So yeah. it, it almost looks like three different sperm donors. You know what I mean? And, and, and it's also weird because if you're Michael, why wouldn't, if you were doing artificial insemination, yeah. why wouldn't you use black man sperm? You know? Right. Which leads to another kind of mental illness, body dysmorphic internalized racism thing yeah. around he was so delusional about his yeah. own body dysmorphia, not only around a small nose, but also wanting to be white. Yeah. Again, complete speculation that he convinced himself that they were his kids, you know, because huh. there, there's with the amount of defenses this guy had going on and in it poss- possibly, yeah. uh, but he claims that they're actually biologically his kids. Um, so they could be, are they, they, they must be older now, right? Like, yeah, they're a 16 to 21 now. Wow. 
Yeah. So they must have some issues too, sadly. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I they were raised mainly by a nanny. Oh. And I think they were kind of protected from okay. a, a lot of the rigmarole. So I think they, uh, at least the interviews I saw, they they seem okay. yeah. Um, wow. Anyway, um, he also apparently had a lot of medical problems. Again, either normal or complications from the meds that he was yeah. on. Uh, there were reports he needed a lung transplant. What? And that towards the end of his life, he could barely breathe. Like he was very. Um, was that from the fire accident? Mm, I don't know. Probably not, because okay. you know after the fire accident, he the fire accident was like in the eighties. Oh, so, it was. I thought it was ninety three or something. Or uh, maybe I don't know, but it was early. Yeah. Anyway, he apparently had liver problems, which could have been attributed to all the substances he was right. using. Apparently, he was blind in one eye, <sighs> but I don't know. Oh my gosh! Apparently, he could barely talk. Uh, because he was so winded all the time. Uh, there were reports that he had a lot of skin cancer. Oh, and there was reports dude. he had he had lupus. And um Holy shit. Yeah, lots of lots of issues. What a horrible last Or he could have had none of those things. Do you know what I mean? I mean that's the thing well, about Well, that's what's weird because that they have that movie of him practicing for his concert series before he died. Like yeah. the year leading up. Yeah, and he was dancing and doing his things, and- right? Yeah, but he could have had all those problems, and you, you can have liver problems. You can be blind in one eye, uh, the 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 barely being wow. able to breathe. That I don't know about that one, but who knows? It's just it's just such a hard thing to to really know. And and the thing that I the thing that I've realized at the end of all this research is there's no way to know any of the answers. There's just there's a there's an incentive for everyone to lie and there's an incentive for everyone to tell the truth and there's right. there's there's no way to know with all the data yet yet we read history books right and and that's a similar problem you know i mean talk about either people in the past were honest abes when they wrote down their little stories <laughs> or we don't know anything yeah i mean again as i've talked about in other episodes i've become a bit of an amateur history buff. And any his history buff has, has got to get, you know, obsessed and nerdy about Roman yeah. Roman culture and history. And a lot of the things that we know about Roman times are through one or two authors who wrote about things... Pliny the Elder. And, yeah, who yeah. wrote about things hundreds of years later. Yeah. And... But it's all we have to go on, and so what? Like, Hundreds. Of, think about yeah. one year later. Think yeah. about a week later. Right. It'd be like if if I decided to write about the American Revolution based on things I had heard and like scraps of because like Pliny had uh, materials that he actually had as well that we don't have access to, you know. Um, but anyway, and and there is maybe something to be said by. Strong oral tradition, but then you could also play telephone with that, right? So totally, it's just it just and, and what story does anyone tell that doesn't have spin on it? Yeah, like if I told a story about the American Revolution, I, you know, I would put a spin on that thing. Yeah, you know, I, I would be like, you know, these these invaders from Europe uh, just just decided to uh, invade the lands of Native America. You know, like I would say it a particular way. Anyway. So, 
with all things, we only have we we have to, so responsible historians and storytellers about Roman history will always start with a caveat of here is where we have here's where we get our information from, and here are the possibilities of spin and error. And you know this this kind of thing. Yeah. You know, was there someone ma- named Julius Caesar who you know was around? Or seems time? to be because there's multiple sources right. and there's there's coins, yes, there's yeah. there's yeah, archaeological <laughs> evidence. There's a lot of things pointing, but but there might not have been. there might not have been. <laughs> yeah. um, and the other thing is, but the but again, the likelihood that a grand con- conspiracy, but but do we know? You know, a two Brutus. Was uttered, and did they stab him? Like, and like, absolutely. Because look, here's the things that we can know with good certainty: big wars, big big wars. We can know that it happened, right? Right? Like, it happened. Big disasters, like natural disasters, we can know. Okay, it happened. The whys and the who said what, right? And the what was their motivation, right? We can't know that today about something that happened an hour ago, right? So, so with Michael Jackson, did he sexually abuse those kids? Which honestly is a, and I never really thought about it until doing this, uh, taking these notes. Was like, if he actually abused those kids, uh, to some extent, I can't listen to his music anymore. Because in the same way that you know, uh, Kevin Spacey gets ripped off, you know, and and of a show and yeah. replaced by Christopher Plummer and you can't watch house of cards anymore. And, you know, that's in some ways not as bad as what Michael Jackson did, <laughs> you know, or at least in the same camp, you know, and what and, does it mean when, th- what if, and I'm just playing hypothetical here. What if someone could prove to you that, uh, he didn't start abusing kids till 1990 <laughs> and any art before that was before he had any abuse under his belt. Um, I don't, I don't know the answer to that because I, I can't really figure out what to do for myself about stuff like that. Because honestly, if I want to enjoy the Cosby show, like a couple episodes, yeah. um, I don't know if I'm up too upset about that. Um, I love Woody Allen movies. Right. Uh, I, uh, there are, you know, um, uh, Roman Polanski movies. You know, there are things that I'm just like, um, well, is there even a line? I mean, like, I'd like to think there is a line, but I'm trying to think. What if Ted Bundy had done an amazing movie? Should we not watch it? Is that the thing? Well, yeah. I, I mean, for me, if he did, I wouldn't watch it. If that's your line, <laughs> yeah. Like, for example, um, Charles Manson has some has some music that's right. actually kind of good, or at least at least listenable in yeah. a in a hipster manner. And no, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna listen to it. You know, um, so. You say that, but I, I, I know they'll invite you to his mansion, and then. <laughs> so I think everyone has to kind of make those choices, and and I never thought about it till now. I was just like, well, wait, if he did do those, yeah, things, like can't I, can I not enjoy Kevin Spacey movies anymore? I think I think it's a personal decision that everyone has to right. Make. No, but I, I'm I I am in your camp. Like I'm not sure what to do with some of this stuff either. I used to love not all, but quite a bit of Kevin Spacey stuff. Um, oh, Harvey Weinstein movies, right? 
Oh, yeah. Now, there is this aspect where, well, should you penalize all those other people that worked on it, all those other things, just because the producer, you know, right. that, that doesn't seem right either. Right. And an actor is just one person. Yes. I mean, the, the other part of this is, is like, it, it doesn't really matter too much. The, the bigger issue to me is, what are we doing as a society and as individuals to help reduce these these uh, crimes? Right. And then there's another, and, and, you know, whether or not one watches, uh, you know, um, uh, Kaiser Sose or not, right. it is, to me, it, you know, doesn't matter. And, and there's a, an even more progressive take on this, which would be, I don't know if progressive is the right word, but it'd be maybe by demonizing them, we make everything worse. By like, why? In this sense. Um, I'm trying to get my thoughts. Okay, see, it's like this. Uh, oh my gosh, you are a horrible person because you did these things, right? Uh, you need to be punished. We will never watch your stuff. You're done. Society hates you now, right? Okay. There's some part of their deepest fears that got confirmed in that moment, right? There is that same part that probably never went public with their desires along the way. Right? We've talked a little bit about this, right? Like you're, you're, you're a young male and you start having some funny feelings. You're not going to mention that to anyone, right? Because you're, and, um, and then you'd look at societies like Norway where they're taking a very different approach to punitive measures where they incarcerate people, even monsters like Anders Breivik. And they, like, what do you need? You need a PlayStation? What do you need? Here, read all these books. We love you. You know, whatever. Society loves you. And they have low recidivism. They have low crime. So are we actually making our life worse by demonizing things? Yeah, right. And at the same time, are we legitimizing or ignoring something yeah. when we allow a monster to... Uh, yeah. let, let, me, let, me, let me clarify one thing. We are absolutely, or as a society, we had absolutely letting things slide that were horrible. Yeah. But I guess the the thing is, no, don't let that happen. Don't let these people just keep doing this. Right. But is the answer for not letting them do it, like everyone point your right. scarlet letters at them and, I mean, you it, know. Maybe, but the, right. Yeah. And your point is that uh, the, the answer, like with the Harvey Weinstein thing. Yeah. It wasn't as if women weren't coming forward. Right. They were coming forward. Right. So that's on us. Yeah. The women, many of the women were coming forward. Not yeah. not all of them. And the associates around him, all the people that like, oh, have you heard about Harvey? And that it was sort of a joke, all that stuff. Right. It is on all of them and, and, and us. And, and us, that we yeah. don't have a system. Like, because, you know, women would would look at other women who came forward and realize that not only did nothing happen, but they would actually... Uh, lose their jobs. Yeah, they would lose their career. Why do we not have at least a social system, if not a legal system, that kicks in that really protects these people? Yeah. And, you know, like uh, some kind of legal uh, situation that's robust. I'm sure we actually have some kind of legal thing, but it's not robust or interpreted well enough or something, that kicks in and says... Okay, this person has now accused a upper someone in charge of yeah. this sexual assault or abuse or harassment. And 
if this organization, the Weinstein organization, because, you know, Weinstein himself, Harvey Weinstein was just a part of Weinstein. He wasn't the organization. If this, if the Weinstein organization or, you know, uh, Miramax decide, uh, you know, can be, it can be proven that this woman's career, it, you know, takes a downturn after this point forward, then, you know, that person can now sue you for millions of dollars. And, you know, that, that would be a system, right? Yeah. Now, I'm sure there are laws in the books or precedents that, but, you know, do they actually get followed through on, you know? I'm guessing not. So, so, and that's on us, you know, that's our fault as a society and, and as, and as people who, you know, individually don't, you know, push our politicians or, you know, societies or courts to, to do one thing or the other. I mean, the reason why our courts have, you know, the federal courts and many state courts prior uh, said that, uh, you know, gay marriage is legal in every, in every state of the union. Yeah. The reason why they did that is not because they just woke up. It's because society decided to push back. Yeah. And the courts eventually as well, that's where we're at now, you know. Yeah. Thirty years ago, they they nope. they they ruled differently. Yeah, twenty years ago, they ruled differently. Uh, and by the way, that that's part of the. It's, it's really hard argument to make here, but I think of how society reacted to th- other things that were not understood, like homosexuality or different races, right? And uh, or like interracial marriages or, or any number of things or different religions. Right, and it's it certainly wasn't healthy to demonize any of those things, right? And so now we have a situation where we have people doing wrong, and certainly if 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 you are someone who has those kinds of desires or those kinds of impulses, you are now more than ever gonna like bottle it deep down inside, but it's probably still gonna be something that comes out if you get the chance to to do it. So it's like. How do we get a society where instead of instead of the demonization, it's like this conversation that can happen where like it's okay for you to say, you know what, I'm having some unhealthy thought or I'm having some right. some feelings that I don't know what to do with, and then and we're not like, then you're a bad vile monster or you're a abusive whatever. It's like okay, that can't happen, right? Like let's talk about that, and I I don't know, it's a really hard problem, but no no both yeah both yeah. can happen at the same time. So it's like these people that condemn parents for sending their children to a millionaire's house right. and they have no empathy for them. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, that's part of it, actually. I mean, you know, the, 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 the victim blaming that goes around for, I mean, not that specifically, but for women who are in abusive relationship or anyone who is in an ab- abusive relationship, the shaming that goes on, uh, I guess, particularly towards men who are in abusive relationships is so strong that they don't come forward. The the shaming of the whole thing is so strong that perpetrators who want help don't feel like anyone will listen to them, and likely no one will. Yeah. And so the the whole thing needs to just become destigmatized and brought out into the light. And that and that's what the Weinstein. Well, actually, that's what the uh, Donald Trump election did was that it was such a huge story around yeah. you know the incidents that he was accused of and then he was elected anyway that it, you know the Harvey Weinstein that ca- that was a catalyst in my mind for the Harvey Weinstein thing and the Harvey Weinstein thing was so big you know the, it, there was so much pressure there was so much there yeah 
and so many stories that you know slowly leaked and came out and then you had other people like Kevin Spacey and you know all these other people and it was like boom all these things start happening and and I think that was a huge leap and a lot of successes were made but I'm afraid in five years we'll be right back to where we started because of the the strong stigmatization and avoidance that our society has. Uh, in fact, I'm already kind of seeing it to some extent. Like, you know, what's the chance that all of the high-profile sexual harassment, sexual assault cases have been have been publicized? Right, right, right. Uh, I'm going to say probably not. Uh, I'm going to say like 99.9% of them are still shamed into silence. Right. And still don't have a way to come forward or still don't have protections in place, you know? And, um, you know, like in the domestic violence, intimate partner violence community, we have organizations that are funded that are free to victims that will coach you on how to get out, that will not push you too fast, that will give you resources and shelters and money and, and protection, like physical protection. Uh, and we don't really have anything like that for people who are in uh, sexual harassment or sexual assault relationships with their bosses, right? You know, and what? Why not? Yeah. Well, you know, why don't we have something like that for that? Um, That's so. a good point. I can't, I think imagine if you were on the clock and there was someone, you know, Weinstein grabs a secretary or something, and someone around him says, "Hey." Um, that's not okay, man. Let's let's not do that. Not in a demonizing way, just like that's not okay. And of course, Weinstein goes, "Well, fuck you," right? Stuff like that. And then people say, "Okay, that's also not okay." So we're we're not going to work with you because you're like yelling, you're insulting us, and you're abusive, and like we don't hate you, but we're just not going to work with you. Imagine if everyone around him would have done that, and he would have found it impossible to like work and get his vision through. If the society was such that that doesn't work, right? So the and we've talked about this before is that my point with that is that if Harvey Weinstein routinely walked into an office and punched people in the face, yeah, people would push back. They would they would they would talk to the press. They would say they would look around at their coworkers and be like, "He's punching us in the face. That that that's not okay." Yeah, like we're you know. But when it comes to sex, our society is so stupid that we make it so that people can't come forward about sexual yeah. assaults. And so so they can't look around other people and say like, um, or when they do, it's hush-hush yeah. and then very quickly shamed into silence, even right. the people who hear about it, you know what I mean? And so, uh, so, and that's our society's problem. I do think there was also an aspect that, because if you hear some of the descriptions from people that worked around him but were sort of shocked by the extent of it or were quite shocked by the extent of it, there's probably this aspect where like the guy was loud and, and, and got his way with stuff, right? And he obviously was a moneymaker. And then so he was at parties all over the place and he would plant an unwanted, quote-unquote, unwanted kiss, but people were like, wink, wink, it's a party, who cares? And that was his public persona. And so all those little transgressions and insults and things, people just wrote off as like, ah, that's just Harvey, right? But they weren't actually seeing him actually rape someone in front of them. You know, that, that was not being seen. And so when the stories would sort of rise up, many of them probably couldn't actually believe that it was that bad, right? It's like, well, I, 
that, that's just hard. I don't. I mean, yeah, he's he says things and he grabbed an ass or two, but uh, he's not, that, that he wouldn't do that. And I think that probably happens a lot, right? It's like well, it's motivated reasoning. You know, yeah. if if I heard and when I did hear about Harvey Weinstein's transgressions, I didn't have that impulse at all. I was like. Wow, you know, it's that, how horrible. I just, you know, I was just like, because I don't care, you know. But when you're connected, like Matt Damon <laughs> or someone else like that, and you have incentives to uh, give it the benefit of the doubt, then that's what you're going to do, you know. Yeah. Uh, you're going to be like, well, maybe it didn't happen like that, or, ah, oh, geez, I hope it didn't happen like that. Yeah. You know, I, I've been in workplace situations like that where – there is a tyrant and everyone around them makes excuses. Yeah. You're just like, well, uh, because at the very least to truly believe and acknowledge it means now you have to like wrestle with that in your mind. You have to do something about it. <laughs> well, forget about doing something. Just, just the mind. Oh, sure. Sure. The mind alone is, is a lot like, so wait a second. Like if that's like 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 say you know you're Matt Damon and you hear about something, and you're like, well, you know, I'm not going to do anything because you know I have my career to to uphold here, and and I'm just one person. What do I? What am I going to do? Okay, let's just say he did that. Fine. Yeah. But in his mind, say he's like, but in my mind, I could still like accept that he did this. Yeah. But then you have to be like. My God, what a monster! Yeah. What what else is he doing? Uh, who who else is he abusing? When I when I suggest that we hire Gwen, uh, you know, uh, you know, so Paltrow yeah. Oh, yeah, for this Paltrow, movie, right. um, am I setting up Gwen for this? Am I going to have to tell? You know, there's so many implications that yeah. are, uh, you know, a, a bother to people. <laughs> That it's so much easier. And, you know, our brains take the path to least resistance often. And so we'll just be like, eh, eh, it probably isn't that bad. Moving on in life, problem solved. Yeah. Anyway. And they, a lot of those uh, kids grew up in old Hollywood or around old Hollywood, whereas it was probably sort of like, yeah, I mean, like these big Hollywood tycoons, they have crazy parties and they... Well, the casting couch is, is yeah. more specific. All right, let's get back to MJ. So what's the final word on Michael Jackson, bro? I really, really, really love and loved his music. He gave me a lot of happiness when I was very young. For some probably unfair, selfish reasons, I felt like he defrauded me or broke my heart or both or something. Uh, and ultimately, it sounds like he led a very difficult, troubled life full of hard work, a lot of things that most people will never experience, both good and, and bad, but a lot of good. You know, he definitely got a lot of love from the world, but um, it's too bad. It, 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 it seems like it was mostly tragic and ended tragically. Yeah, I just want to reiterate my, um, you know, analysis, quote-unquote, of him and I'm I'm only analyzing the internet information, so I really have no idea about him. But it seems as though he was severely abused and traumatized from uh, throughout his childhood. 
and to some extent maybe even bullied by his older brothers and made to feel very alone and, and, and very pressured by um, society and by success. It, it's almost as if he would have been better off if he wasn't a success, if he didn't have so much talent. I would, I would give back all his music if if I could know that he lived a, a, a an unabused little young life, yeah, well that's that's nice of you. I'm just saying, like if you if you're gonna weigh a, a little child being tortured for all his youth by a parent, like I don't think any amount of music is worth that. Yeah, no. And he emerged into adolescence and had all these different things impinging on him. One was he was losing everything that made him, that gave him love from his, from his dad and safety within his family, which was stardom. You know, the, the one thing that his, you know, his mom seems like kind of a non kind of element and, but his, his dad was so dominant in his psychology and, and everything he learned early in life was, I have to be young, adorable. I have to have a super high voice. I have to right. I have to be like a child. I have right. to be a prodigy essentially. And then I will get secure attachment and I won't get beat as much. Right. He emerges into adolescence and adulthood and and he's losing all of that. His his nose is getting bigger. Yeah. His his hair is getting thicker or something. His voice is getting deeper. His face is becoming more manly, more like his dad. And and actually, one thing that we didn't mention was there were rumors. And again, no way to know. Oh, I wonder if you're gonna that he took hormones. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. When when he because even at the age of like twenty, he had a super high voice. Yeah, I was gonna. I actually was wondering if if his father maybe forced him to do like I seem to remember even a, a rumor that. His father castrated him or something because, like, he didn't want him to lose his high pitched voice. Or yeah, well, uh, one you know less uh, you know horrible way is just to you know take hormones. You know, it, it's possible, and and that could have began his interest in using substances to fix his life. That could have been infused in there too. Yeah, because uh, so. So you know, then he, he so then he he's always as an adult trying to return to, I just need to be cute and entertaining and a child, and that's my safe place. That's where I'm safe. Right. And and when you're abused and traumatized, you don't think straight about this. Uh, you're you're not you're not a you're not a rational actor. Right. You know, it's not like you're you don't think like well. You know, maybe I should just kind of reinvent myself as yeah. as a man, you know, who has a normal voice. You know, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see where that goes. Um, you know, you you can't. And plus, the pressure to to keep that Michael Jackson thing, you know, which was the high voice and all that kind of thing. At the same time, he's trying to act like an adult, which always seems so strange. You know, when he would try to be sexy. Yeah. And he would grab his crotch and yes. stuff. It always just seems so odd, right. you know, because it was like, that doesn't seem right. Anyway. You're trying to do what you think is that, but that's not that. <laughs> right, right. But anyway, you know, you're, you're, you're in a constant... That, that's the thing about complex PTSD and, and borderline spectrum is that you're in a constant state of fear. 
uh, and in a constant state of feeling like no one is there to protect you, in a constant yeah. state of feeling like Berto, you and I just had a mild argument, but you and I have secure enough attachment to know that deep down we both care about each other. I'm crying inside. <laughs> yeah, and that that argument doesn't threaten our relationship. Correct. You know what I mean? And why do we know that? You know, we know that through experience, but also we know that because we were loved enough and, and provided right. enough secure attachments in our childhoods right. that makes it so that by default, we're like, well... That unless, doesn't end a relationship. Unless I have <laughs> really overt evidence that this person is against me, right. then I'm just going to assume in all likelihood, they're on my side. Right, they're right. giving me the benefit of that. Well, when you are growing up with the complete opposite, mm-hmm. where not only are people not out, you know, not helping, but they're actually actively torturing you, right? then it's really hard to get close to people. It's really hard to feel safe in the world. And then you become a celebrity where people are literally trying to tear your clothes off and your hair <laughs> and trying to break into your house and Right. And, and 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 then you try to find other lost souls like Macaulay Culkin and all these other people to befriend. Mm-hmm. But they're always younger because developmentally you kind of feel like you're younger and also that's your safe place, you know. You you're you feel safest age 10, age 11 before adulthood, before sexuality really. And you're always trying to get back there. But you're 25 and you have a sexual drive. Yeah. And we are in bed and, and you and you're in some satin sheets, you know? <laughs> and you're again, you're very there's a there's a class of people who will molest children who are just super comfortable around children mm-hmm. and therefore their sexuality just gets acted out with children. I see. They're 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 if they were made to feel comfortable with adults, then they could be made to be attracted to adults and have but sex with adults. they can't feel that way. But, but they don't, they're so terrified of adults uh-huh. that they, they, or they only see adults as like authority or something uh. that, that they just, they, they feel comfortable and, and at, you know, at, as a peer with other children. And so their sexuality gets directed in that way. It's that doesn't make it okay, right, but right, it right. just explains it a little bit. Um, and then you match up the fact that you feel terrible on the inside, you have a hard time emotionally regulating, you're taking more and more substances to cope, and you feel worthless, you're sad, and you look in the mirror and you see a disgusting human being right. who will always be disgusting and will always be worthless and is not lovable and then you go out into the world and you try to compensate by loving every children on the planet. <laughs> and it gives you temp- it gives you temporary corrective emotional experiences because you're actually, you know, doing things to help kids in real ways. Right. But at the end of the day, when you look at yourself in the mirror, you're still a disgusting human being. And maybe some plastic surgery will help. Maybe that'll change what's in the mirror. Yeah. Uh, maybe if I put my hair in front of my face, maybe that will make it better. Maybe if I have another number one hit, that'll make it better. Have some kids. Maybe if I have some kids that are beautiful and white, maybe that'll make it better. Again, I'm I'm speculating because yeah. God knows what I would actually find if I actually talked to him. But to me, as I researched and thought about it, that to me is the most salient possibility. 
with his psychology. Well, that does it for that episode of Psychology in Seattle. Thanks for joining us out there. Please take care of yourself because you deserve it. Thank you.